Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Michael Cole said to use jazz as the bread. Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show. Smackdown. It is the 29th of June, the year of our Lord 2000. Black Legend, you see the true with me, is still number one in the UK charts. I'm sick of talking about that. So I'll also bring up the fact that Eminem's The Marshall Mathers LP is the number one album in the UK. I love your little album. We'll continuously come back. Lots of happy moments on that one. Uh, Gladiator is number one in the UK box office for the last time, thanks to the Kurt Angle push. Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is released on the Dreamcast, and my God, did that rule. Probably Aww. the best version of that game for the very brief home release that it got. Going to take love you that. for a ride. Da, 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 da. Uh, it is announced that Lisa Riley will leave her role as Emmerdale's Mandy Dingle in the autumn. The end <laughs> no! of an era. And crazily enough, Nintendo's... Oh, see if we get this right. Satellite View system ceases to receive broadcasts. No! Yes. Yes, in Japan, that'd still be going. I'm not saying that they'd be using it to watch episodes of Emmerdale. But <laughs> let's pretend that they were. So tell of you was this was was this the the NES that had internet access? Kind of, yeah. yeah. It was the SNES that had some sort of like, all right, on Friday you're going to get a, an update. So if you've got this plugged in to your the phone line and your mum's not on the phone with mates past six pm because it's cheaper that way, um, you will get this update. I love that so. I much. had no idea it was still going in the year two thousand. I love that so much. I, I, I would oh, absolutely I very fascinating a Super little thing. Nintendo with internet access. Like that's just so cool. Yeah, and even crazy enough, the fact that there are uh, ROM dumps of that online mean that people kept their carts of that on and have lo- loaded them onto the internet. Nintendo haven't released them and gone do what you want with these. They're, they're definitely not into that type of a habit. But the fact that people have kept that for so many years and then released them online so people can play what these little mods were is amazing to me. Show how cool fans are. When it comes to old school things, wow, rather like this very podcast, the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown Review, starring myself, Mafu, and his lovely friend, Mr. Tom Campbell. How the hell are you, Paul? Mate, I'm all right. I am... I'm all right. As we speak, it is a Monday afternoon here in the United Kingdom. I'm looking out on the River Tyne. I've done... I have done... Let me just a quick check. 14,000 steps today. Which I'm very proud mm. about. Just I, I, my plan was to to be a stone lighter by the time we came out of lockdown two, lockdown harder. But I think I'm about six pounds adrift of that, which is fine. Like I did have a weekend where I decided I'm just going to eat all the food, 
So it's fine. Uh, but either way, it's nice to be coming out of lockdown in somewhat <laughs> something vaguely, vaguely shaped, shaped, if you know what I mean. But we're doing all right over here. More importantly, how are you, Matthew, Greg? Uh, I'm good. I was just concentrating on being mentally sound uh, during You're lockdown, right. too. I think I'm also <laughs> six pounds away from my goal. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. As I'm saying, it's I'm uh, not in the best of moods. But it's for completely normal reasons. Uh, could it be that I'm sick of not being able to see my friends and family? Of course it is. <laughs> you know, am I sick of talking to my wall? Yes, and the wall is sick of talking to me. So I'm it's very fine. proud of my dad who managed to find a very Campbell solution to his favourite pub being shut in the sense that he has built a pub in the garden. <laughs> He gave me a tour of it last night. It's a uh, it's 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 a shed which has been repurposed as a with a bar and uh, and a pourer and everything. It's amazing. My dad has built a pub in his garden to, to get right. Somehow though, according to my mum, he's still half an hour late home every night. I don't know how that happens when it's in your garden. <laughs> That's a very huh. my dad way of solving the 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 pub being closed crisis. I'm very intrigued by the solution. I mean, it's. Mm. Uh... It's one of those that the mountain come to Muhammad situations. It truly is. It truly is. I've 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 bought him a um he, he doesn't listen to the Smackdown podcast anymore. He's more of a classic raw guy. Um uh, but I um I don't I've like bought, your dad. Uh, he's great. I've bought him a uh, I bought him a hanging pub sign for Christmas. That's my main gift for him. So I've I've been with like a custom pub sign that he can stick outside naming the oh. place the Captain's Lodge, which I'm very excited about. That's good. What, what? Someone hanged a pub. What did they do? <laughs> oh, it was. Uh, oh, they, they were. Oh, they were. They were sorry. drinking on the job. <laughs> but it, hey. So we are here, back in the year two thousand, Matthew Greg. Uh, we've got. Do you know what? Quite a significant episode of SmackDown to talk about. Oh, uh, don't we just? Jeez! Like as the episode was rolling on, I was frantically making notes about multiple big things that were occurring. In this one. And Matthew, are you going to walk us and talk us through it in a couple of minutes' time? Of course I am. I'd like to remind people who are watching this chronologically that this is the episode of SmackDown after King of the Ring 2000, which I believe me, you, and a little lad named Andrew got together to do a watch-along of, which is also available where all good podcasts are sold. But to give you up to speed, Shane McMahon got put through a table via a cool-looking choke slam, thanks to The Undertaker. The Rock won back the world title from Vincent Mann in a six-man tag where he didn't have to pin Triple H, the champion, to win it back. And Kurt Angle is the new King of the Ring. But more importantly, uh, little Andrew uh, was well aware of wrestling history. The first King of the Ring in 1993 was Jeff Hardy. Yes, he was. <laughs> We've changed history for yes. Andrew. <laughs> uh, Teddy Long was the manager of Rodney Mack. And he didn't know who Chris Benoit was. My, my new favourite character, now that Owen the Bastard. Um, <laughs> it's kind of one of those bad faces you see in wrestling where you're supposed to cheer him, but you just don't want to. <laughs> so Matthew's going to talk us through SmackDown for this week in just a moment. A uh, bit of show admin before we go any further. Uh, FYI, next week is the final episode of the Cultholic Classic SmackDown review of 2020. 
Next week's the last week we'll do. We'll then take a couple of weeks off for Crimbus, and then we'll be back in January. But you will have something in your ears featuring Matthew, Greg, and myself to keep you entertained whilst the SmackDown podcast is is off for Christmas. And I will reveal what that is. How is this for cross-promotion? I will reveal what that is this Saturday on the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. So find out what that is this Saturday on the Raw review. Fun factoid. Yes, I feel feel the excitement bubbling from that end of the internet. (laughs) That's right. To find out what's happening, you'll have to dial (laughs) 1-900-909-9900. The Mean Gene hotline will help you. <laughs> with who's dead. Right, before we get into SmackDown this week, just a few notes from the wrestling world in this particular week. In the New York Times, following the lawsuit victory, Viacom chairman Sumner Redstone proclaimed a much more important victory than most people will know with regards to the WWF and their back and forth regarding TV rights. So saying that the the victory for Viacom in the courts will benefit TNN and the up and will up the profile of the station. So WWF is on the move to Viacom, is on the move to TNN. Um this is uh this is an exciting time for WWF, lots of money about to be made. Uh, USA Network who were this whole thing came about because the USA Network said we want first dibs on all your new programs, you balance. Because WWF are courting TNN, Viacom, MTV uh, for new wrestling shows without approaching USA first. And USA got their knickers in a twist about this, proverbially. And this led to a court case. And consequently, WWF is on the move. Monday Night Raw on the move in particular to TNN. And Sunday Night Heat being picked up by MTV. USA Network tried to downplay the loss of World Wrestling Federation programming. President Stephen Chow quoted as saying the loss of WWF shows will have uh, a negligible effect on our ratings and a positive effect on our profits. During the trial itself, however, they stated that wrestling was very profitable and the crown jewel of the schedule. So which one is it then, lads? Uh, Judge William Chandler, who oversaw the case of WWF uh, versus the USA Network and Viacom, uh, ruled that the USA failed to match the Viacom offer because it didn't match the promises to offer equal promotion of the product on radio and billboards, nor did it agree to preempt the wrestling shows. This has always been an issue with the dog show going back to the 90s. Uh, Chandler also ruled that the USA Network Network did not have an obligation to match the package as it pertained to book deals, broadcasting XFL football or airing non-wrestling programming and helping fund non-wrestling programming produced by WWFE. So WWF is on the move. This didn't mean much to us in the UK, Math, because Sky Sports has been the partner on television in the UK with the WWF up until this year. You yeah, know, Christ. and all goes back to the 80s. But this was a big thing in America, wasn't it? It seems to be, yes. Um, however, it seems to be like, oh no, Raw's moved. Oh, there he goes. It's on that channel. <laughs> uh, and the only thing I remember about this reading when I've done my podcast listening to, when I'm doing my walking cardio, was a one off comment that Jim Ross made uh, about one of the shows where he said he did an impression of Vincent Mann saying, I want to get away from that damn dog show. And then quickly point out, no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. 
<laughs> and the fact that he's stressed enough that that no that that he didn't really say that I'm just joking about him makes me believe that Vincent Mann once said that for real real. Of course, Vince wants to get away from the dog show. Like anything that is a threat to Monday Night Raw and WWF, he wasn't want any part yeah. of. And the dog show was a threat. Be and it's so funny when you talk about it even now how that this monol this monster of a wrestling promotion this this conglomerate machine was just would would heal would heal and beg at the whims of the Westminster dog show raw mm. always getting preempted because people just like to look at dogs on the USA network and part of the deal i genuinely believe and as that little gag from Pritchard as as uh, alluded to as well I think a big part of it was Vince didn't like the dog show and wanted to and imagine that imagine losing multi-million dollars worth of production because you <laughs> because you you chose dogs over wrestling in fairness I've seen some of those raw episodes of raw 95 yeah I'd rather see some shih tzus <laughs> um, and it kind of couldn't have been good as well Tom for the people who worked at the USA Network having to deal with both Vincent Mann and the Westminster people the Westminster people knocking the door and going Where's my preempted? You've had your preempted. You call that a preempting? Where's my preempting? Because now you're gonna have one next month. And from bins at you know executives. It's all very horrible. Uh, what else was happening in the world of wrestling, Tom? This week, WWF officials are meeting with NCAA heavyweight champion Brock. Lesnar. Lesnar signing for the company seems inevitable. More on this next week. I don't know why he spent so much time filling up the, the, the news section with just crap that just had no effect on anything, Tom. This seems, this yeah, it does seem like filler. I do apologise. I'll, I'll give you something meaty. I'll give you something meaty. Oh, there good. is talk in WCW of Stevie Ray becoming a colour commentator. Oh, which, yes. to quote Dave Meltzer, sounds hilarious on the surface. Ray does have a good, smart-ass critical demeanour backstage that doesn't come through while he's while doing his interviews. But it sounds like a long shot. It may not happen. Um, ha, ha, Stevie ha. Ray behind the uh, commentary desk, Matt. Are you excited? Absolutely. <laughs> Fond memories of Stevie Ray commentating. Um, yeah, as a backstage interview, it was terrible. You don't really want a backstage interviewer, you know, that dwarfs the talent. You know, I know the other side of the scale is you get the, um, the backstage people like the Tom Phillipses having to, you know, <laughs> spread their legs, so to speak. So that the rest of seem huge, but you know, Stevie Ray's, you know, how are you gonna win the title? It's like, uh <laughs> I'm really confident. Well I was until you stood next to me. <laughs> until you until your shadow engulfed me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, him commenting I still remember some of the stuff he used to say, Wow, tonight it's on like neckbone. <laughs> uh I think he did the old Dusty Rhodes clubbering. What else did he do? The little Stevie Ray bit. Um He just rambled a lot, I seem to recall. I think he had a great way of speaking. He's very funny. You know, some people just have this natural confidence and it comes across in their delivery. Kevin Nash is another one of them. But uh, Stevie Ray just... <laughs> I love listening to him. <laughs> I'm cracking up just remembering how good he was. And at one time, somebody said something incorrect. It must have been Scott Hudson or somebody on Thunder. Scott Hudson got like, the name of the city wrong and he went, Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. There's only about like a million people watching <laughs> completely undersold the art people that were actually watching WCW at that point. <laughs> even in 2000, even the B-Show. There's only like a million people watching. It's like... <laughs> oh. God bless the man that truly brought Slapjack to our television. Oh, yeah. 
it was it was an item and his finisher. Because exactly. even and now WWE it's a weren't gonna. Yeah. What if what it's if like the, the slapjack? What if the slapjack? Oh no! In, I knew it. WWE? I could see you. <laughs> you I could see, see you thinking. <laughs> you can see the cogs turning. The vibrations on the microphone. Like, oh, what God. if slapjack in retribution is Stevie Ray's slapjack that's become sentient? Well, like it went Abra Kadabra Alakazam. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm thinking. Oh, <laughs> I'm thinking of like the broom in Wizardora. They're slapjack. Years later, people will study the effects of lockdown on the human psyche <laughs> using this very podcast. I, know, I, think I've been, I think I've been pretty consistent. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, Tom, you do have something there. If uh, if they do a thing like at the Raw 1000 episode where they had... <laughs> they had... <laughs> Dad Mae Young and Mark Henry's kitchen. Hi, Dad! There's a giant club. <laughs> and they have Stevie Ray backstage. He's like, what? And he's like, it's Slapjack. And Slapjack goes, Father? <laughs> and yeah, Stevie Ray looks at the camera and goes, I better what, can I get my fruit booty out of here. <laughs> that was even he'd say fruit booties. Uh, <laughs> Uh, John. I'm off like neckbone, and he runs away. <laughs> John, can we have um, Stevie oh, Ray swing, swinging slapjack? Oh yeah, that's all right. I'm that one's right. fine. That one's fine. Or oh, just a slapjack with slapjack's mask on it. Even better. Even better. God. Uh, end of an era. I hope other people, if they want to tweet about this episode, just interrupt. Oh, if other people, can they please rem- can they please give their opinions on Stevie Ray's commentary if they remember it? Yes, please. <laughs> scores uh, Sorry, scores out, out of five dogs. <laughs> Thank you. Um, end of an era. WCW Saturday Night is no more. It's being swapped for WCW Saturday yeah. Morning. This was once the feature show of WCW. Some of the biggest moments in WCW history went down on that soundstage as part of WCW Saturday Night. The debut of Randy Savage. The uh, the first steps of Hulkamania in WCW. The the debut of Giant Haystacks. Coming, which is a key moment oh. in WWE. I'm coming for you, Hawk Hogan. Oh man, what a day! Look that up. Uh, but yeah, and it's now becoming a highlight show on a Saturday morning. This, this, this is to, to give you some significance. Oh, that'll it. kill ten minutes. <laughs> I know, right? This imagine, imagine if if Monday Night Raw eventually got swapped out for something else, and then Raw just became like a one-hour highlight show on a Saturday morning. Like, Saturday night was WCW's flagship show before Nitro came along. So it was a big thing. Mind you, actually, do you know what? I, do you know what? Here's a, I, I'm being thick here. It's kind of already happened. Because before Monday Night Raw, you had WWF superstars as the, as the feature show. And lo and behold, when Monday Night Raw took over... Superstars became that highlight show, mixed in with a couple of matches. Kind of what main event is now. Yes, you are right, but uh, true. But I think that's just more of the the different style of sh- show and timing, everything else like that. It's obviously a very different audience and everything. But uh, uh, no mind that. Go back to that. People still bring up the fact that WWE don't do it as much as they used to, but they did for the longest time in recent memory. Go along about how Raw was the longest running weekly episodic 
non-Emmerdale show and blah and all this stuff. They're an incredibly niche thing. And then a lot of people, elderly people would point out, what? Not only is this a ridiculously niche thing for you to bring up, but no, um, WCW Saturday night went all the way back to Georgia Championship Wrestling in the 70s. Mm. And that was on the air combined. If you, if people want to believe, um, what's what I'm looking for here? If you go from the chronological order of that all the way up to WCW Saturday night in 2000, that was 29 years it was on the air. So no. Um, More of a big deal than I made it out to be. It's... It, because actually, yeah, I realize in a few years' time, WWE Raw will have that beaten if we uh, survive through this year or next year. But people would, um, it became so inconsequential over the years that you're right. The fact that you almost jokingly said, Oh, Randy Savage, um, this happened, giant haystacks, <laughs> you know, and that's what it became to people. There was absolutely no prominence. It was it, towards um, WCW was having all these different shows from Saturday night to oh god what were the other ones prime um main event worldwide and all those ones there wasn't really one that was there weren't there was Saturday and really had that much compared to raw which has always been the a show uh, since it started so you're right it's it's almost like people look at it like this d or e show wcw when it really wasn't but again that's just one of the big differences between wwe and the companies that aren't around anymore and i fear i am rambling so i will stop talking i, used to I would rather think... talk about the fact that giant haystacks <laughs> i did not know this one of the segments he made his debut in on nitro and i haven't seen this but someone brought it up mean gene went up to him and said a line about because he's british and he has bad teeth uh his his mouth looked like the entrance to a cemetery <laughs> I remember that line. <laughs> hey, to the, this is supposed to be the next big, really mean deal to Hulk Hogan and Mean Gene is insulting That's, yeah, that was, that was a very Mean Gene thing to do. <laughs> Just going into business for himself. <laughs> it, 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 it didn't, he didn't start particularly well. It didn't end particularly well either. Um, other bit of WCW news. <laughs> this is... So we've had Stevie Ray on commentary, random. WWE Saturday night is coming to an end, Saturday morning, okay. Uh, on the plus side, the great Mooter is coming to WCW. Oh, <laughs> God. He'll debut on the 10th of July. He hasn't started yet because he was busy trying to find an apartment in Atlanta. So Mooter's been out house hunting, <laughs> and he'll be here soon. The Muta run in WCW is something to behold. Like one of the the most iconic professional wrestlers on the planet had this run in WCW where it just felt like you brought in a mid-carder. At that point, uh, Muta is a few months away from completely reinventing himself and sustaining him for the next 20 years. Uh, between the, the early the mid-90s to now, Muta had a really bad ability to completely half-arse it when he wanted to. And Muda, uh, Muda over Mudo in Japan would just have this, this same old match every time. He'd do his shtick. And sometimes you're like, yay. And sometimes you're like, you're just doing this because you can't be arsed, aren't you? <laughs> uh, this is your version of doing the Master Lock challenge. Um, so apparently after sustaining a knee injury in early 2000, Mudo took a hiatus from New Japan and returned to WCW to team with Vampiro. <laughs> Due to the bad booking and decline of WCW in its last years, however, Mudo could not recapture the previous popularity he had in the late 80s and 90s. 
He returned to Television Thunder to team with the Young Dragons against Three Count and Tank Abbott. And we can stop reading there. <laughs> uh, ironically, his tag team partner was was doing something far more um, history making, uh, as it was added to the Bash at the Beach pay per view lineup. Already, this was a match that was on the cards for that. Uh, Vampiro facing the Demon in a graveyard match. Twenty years it before was a the graveyard Boneyard smash. Match. <laughs> it was a graveyard smash. 20 years ahead of the Boneyard. Fun fact. Well, ahead is a strong term there, Tom. <laughs> um, yeah, they surely were like, hey, Vampiro, we've got an idea for you. A bit different bit of direction. What is that? Um, you're the Undertaker. <laughs> oh. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, lots of weird crap. <laughs> yeah, is that, that's, that was, I was, you, you're done speaking? So, yeah, you, you're the Undertaker. You have graveyard matches, you're going to set people on fire. Oh, so you're Kane as well, I guess. Um, you can wrestle Muto. <laughs> oh, God. They tried, I guess, and it is still talked about, but bloody hell. They certainly did. They certainly did. Uh, and that's all I have to say, yes. Have you seen the match in itself? I have. It's a treat. It's um, Imagine Boneyard match with no production value and terrible lighting. And uh, you've, you've, you've... I mean, WWE gets, gets it in the neck for the way it overproduced the Boneyard match. But the alternative is much worse. You're right, though, Tom. What if they'd done it like WWE? And because it's the demon, it's like, like the demon, I'll see you at the Carnival of Horrors. You know, and they get there and you hear this riff and then all of a sudden the demon comes out of a burning barn. It's, I was late for loving you, baby. <laughs> and there's doing headlocks. Ten stars. Ten stars. Yeah, you know stars. what? <laughs> Especially if he comes out of a burning barn and goes straight into a headlock. <laughs> <laughs> straight into a headlock. Keeps the band straight into cuts back. It's another chin lock. <laughs> I'm effed. I'm effed. <laughs> Before we hand over to Matthew for the rundown of SmackDown, a few notes from this particular taping of SmackDown. Uh, that I have here uh, from Hartford, Connecticut. We had a dark match. Steve Bradley and Scott Vick beating the Dups. Those Dups are still ticking over, Math. They're on their way. Maybe. Probably not. Um, Honestly, next week, I promise you, they'll be on TV. Honest. <laughs> that, that's bits. the voice of Finn Martin from uh, this episode of Power Slam. <laughs> a few bits from Sunday Night Heat for you. Too Cool beating Taka and Funaki. Um, we also had, uh, they, they shook hands and danced at the end. It's all pals at the palace. Dean Malenko came out with two women and said he's beaten all the light heavyweights. He challenged anyone in the back that he hadn't beaten. This led to a match against Jacqueline, in which Malenko made Jacqueline tap out. And in an elimination match, we had TNA and Tristratus beating the Hardys and Lita. And uh, Saturn pinned Gangrel following an elbow drop. Gangrel has a new shirt. The match got no reaction. Also, uh, debut of a new tag team alert. Check this out, Matthew. D'Lo Brown is back on the books. And oh, no. He has a new tag team. Do you know who his new best friend is? It's Chaz. It's Chaz! Uh, Chaz Warrington and Dilo <laughs> Brown, <laughs> who, according to Dave Meltzer, dressed like the Baldies in ECW, beat Joey Abs and Rodney Mack. So they are now mega friends. 
We also had a brief little segment where The Rock came out and introduced Wycliffe Jean, who is on the front row. Plug in, he plugs the video on MTV. We don't see that on television. That's just for the live crowd, you lucky devils. That sounds like an amazing episode of Sunday Night Heat. I'm it, not going to lie. It's a belter. A Gangrel has a new Sunday shirt. Night, that is jeebus. Yeah. Almost as much noteworthy things as is going to happen in this episode of SmackDown. I'll say this before I do the uh, fabulous dramatic video recap. There's a lot going on there uh, during this bit. And I think especially we talk about them when they pop up again in the episode. All this will take forever. <laughs> so in dramatic recap fashion. Raw the night after King of the Ring. Shawn Michaels shows up to make Mick Foley the brand new commissioner of the WWF. Then Foley points out that uh, Linda McMahon made Foley the commissioner. I guess HBK is there for a royalty check. <laughs> Triple H wants to be the number one contender, but uh, King Kurt, with the crown, points out that he won King of the Ring, so he should be the number one contender to The Rock's WWF title. So Foley makes Triple H versus Kurt versus The Rock, with the winner getting The Rock on SmackDown. Jericho interferes and costs Triple H the match with The Rock pinning Kurt Angle. So Rock takes on The Rock tonight, I guess. Um, <laughs> and before we get the proper intro, we get the SmackDown debut of Mick Foley's wacky commissioner room. He's got a plant, a cactus, uh -huh, like Jack, a picture of some guy on the wall. I don't know who that was. Did you know who that was, Tom? Uh, no, can't say it rings any bells. No, fair enough. Uh, a red phone, like in Batman with Adam West, and a newly shaved head. And anyway, Triple H wants Jericho tonight, and Foley says, well, he'll do the right thing, and then does the dude love dance with the hands on the legs. And I guess we can all dance like that, Tom, when the song goes, witty wee, witty woo, witty wee, witty woo. <laughs> We're in Hartford, Connecticut. And we start with Latino Heat and Rikishi teaming up against Chris Benoit and Val Venus. The crowd pop for Eddie Guerrero is very impressive at the start. And uh, turns out on Raw, it was Trish Stratus and Val versus Eddie Guerrero and China. And you'll never believe this, but yes, China looked good and powerbombed Trish. You can tell Trish is a rookie still. She's getting beaten up all over the place. Rikishi hates Venus and Benoit. Eddie had maybe the match of the night against Venus at King of the Ring. Benoit hates Rikishi, and Val Venus hates liberals. <laughs> and the match is very solid, but loses all heat, even with Val Venus busting out the Blue Thunder Bomb. The crowd doesn't pop for anything, and at one point I was sure that they may have actually edited the audio and replaced it with a fake one. We'll see how we go. Maybe they were chanting WWF. WWF, <laughs> the name of this company will forever be WWF. Definitely. Um, before I go on, did you notice anything with, with the audio? It, I mean, episode? no more was, than normal. Like, SmackDown does have that sort of heat machine vibe about it all the time. There's a few times where you... Normally, you just have to have a passing glance to the live crowd to get a vibe as to whether or not mm. like they really care. Because when you hear... <sighs> And everybody sat on their asses. Like, you don't buy it. There's a few times where I've gone, there's a natural pop here. Like, anytime The Rock walks out, breathes, like, opens his eyes, that works. Too cool again, some really nice natural pops. Not so much Rikishi on his own, but certainly too cooler, I've noticed. 
Um, but then a lot of stuff I feel like is uh, is is heat machine based. No, so so it didn't stand out. This didn't stand out to me any more than it normally does. That's fair enough. Uh, Rikishi gets the cold tag, and the crowd pops for the giant Samoan drops and corners of ass. TNA show up to help Trisha's stable of uh, TAV or VAT. We didn't really just figure out that last time, did we? <laughs> uh, but they can only hold on to China outside the ring. So two cool run in to even the odds by taking out Benoit and Venus for the DQ, which seems a bit harsh as they weren't doing anything wrong. And then China is able to sort out TNA by herself because it's only TNA. And then two cool dance with Eddie in China. Very weird ending. Maybe saw Mr. Q looking at you, China. And as they're dancing, Michael Cole says, wow, this is like WWF New York for the lugs. <laughs> Not very convincing side plug of the week. <laughs> Has Eddie cut his mullet? Uh, I think he had this cut at King of the Ring. Oh my! I may not. Pay, I may not have spotted it at King of the Ring then. Yeah. I just noticed his cut looked quite fresh here in this particular mm. match. I'm sure he'd appreciate that comment. I think I hope he would. But uh, it was, as you say, a bit of a, a weird bit with the ending. Felt like China did miss a step, but it was a strong enough opener. I think it shows you how how rich the mid card is at this point in WWF, and it, it goes without saying that this is a great year for WWF. But certainly the, the mid-card is the, is the fullest it's ever been. Not just with bodies, but with bodies doing stuff. Like in this one match, you've got Eddie Guerrero, who is very much seen as European champion. You've got Rikishi there, intercontinental champion, who's been mixing it up with uh, some beefy names. Val Venus is there as well. And like him and Rikishi going back and forth. Benoit, who isn't the IC champion at the moment, but has, uh, will no doubt be back there again. And this is just like a taste of a couple of the people in the mid-card at this point. And, and the roster is just second to none right now. It really is. You know what, Tom? You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. Yeah. And speaking <laughs> of the amazing mid-card that we have backstage kurt tells kai and tai yes kai and tai on smackdown he will be known henceforth as king kurt <laughs> and they reply king kurt and he says yes it's similar in your country to uh, an emperor or a head ninja <laughs> hardcore holly interrupts and says they're not stupid they're japanese which i feel like someone needs to cut out and use as a reply on twitter uh, Hugger Holly goes to leave this little discussion, kicks Kurt's crown across the room and says, well, if you don't like that, how about I kick your ass? Owen, uh, how do you like my now? <laughs> do, 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 do. Uh, and in the ring, Kurt says, I don't make fun of you, Hardcore Holly, for dying what's left of your hair. Oof. Or the fact that you couldn't afford an orthodontist as a child, so now you have sticky outy teeth. You're just like these peasants in Hartford, Connecticut. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to, to find a crown repair shop around here? <laughs> <laughs> and again, despite all this, crowd is still applauding Kurt. Just the having the audacity to say these things. He can do no wrong. Uh, hardcore, yes, hardcore gets a very fake sounding crowd pop again i've no idea what's the what's up with the audio here it's not really usually that noticeable but it just feels very off this time but it doesn't matter this match is sadly known for only one pop it's nothing to do with the crowd uh before then 
Hardcore Holly takes his get clothesline by the ring post outside bump, which I now love, because I've got all about. Uh, he also gets the drop kick, so it's already a five-star match. Holly gets two of a jackhammer suplex, and Lawler tells Koloff for saying jackhammer when Vince isn't here. Uh, this match goes a long 10 minutes, which is nice to see. And we get the moment, this is this, people even remember this match happened. Kurt Angle hitting the first moonsault of his entire career, and also one of his worst. <laughs> Arca Holly was a substantial distance away from him, so Kurt ends up accidentally uh, landing all knees onto his left arm. But Hardcore eats a lot of eggs, and so he refuses to take the one, two, three count straight away, continues to wrestle as this arm is dangling off him, like it's a, you know, a small child in one of those little backpacks you get. He just continues to do his thing, but it's just, it's just hanging there, um, including taking a low blow from Angle and the free's distracted, and taking the Angle slam, landing on it. Uh, Angle gets the pin, and that would be it for poor Holly for uh, quite a few months. Uh, Tom, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, this comes from IGN at the time. They say IGN, IGN wow. reported this back in 2000. I know, right? They had a wrestling division at that point. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, Hardcore Holly suffered a broken arm during his match against Kurt Angle at Tuesday's SmackDown tapings. According to WWF, the break occurred when Kurt Angle hit a moonsault during the match. Despite the injury, Holly continued to wrestle and finish the match. He will undergo surgery to repair the break tomorrow, when doctors will make a three-inch incision and insert a titanium plate and screws into his forearm. The prognosis for Hardcore's return to the ring is about 10 weeks, although Holly is determined to make it back in six he is mental um this yeah so by the time this match aired holly had already had the operation and was on the road to recovery because this was aired on the tuesday this was recorded on the tuesday and aired on the thursday i just yeah they i remember the landing now you said it was the worst moonsault angle ever hit it was it was awful in the sense that it broke a guy's arm but I've got to say, you know, we can say this because Holly ended up all right in the end. Um, 10 on 10 for form. I thought he looked great up in the air. Just didn't quite land. <laughs> Just bad on the landing. <laughs> yes, he had to settle for the bronze. You're right. He, did settle, he, did, he had to settle for the bronze. But yeah, this was... It's When you look back on this, like... It just seems like bravado. It sounds really bad. It seems like bravado from Holly to, to gut on through it. When really, you could have just signed off on the match and nobody would have thought any less of you. But this sort of hard man image, this persona that he's carved for himself, he had to prove like how hard and tough he is. So therefore, he carries on wrestling the match for several more minutes with an arm, like you say, just hanging there like it's plasticine. It's it's very unsettling. I can imagine that this is the much nicer cut that they used for the taping. But imagine watching it live and just seeing Holly in agony with the arm hanging out of the socket, continuing to attempt to wrestle. You're right. And sadly, this wouldn't be the last time Holly would be involved in something like that. He would have had that famous match with RVD on ECW and Sci-Fi, where he got a massive gash oh, on geez. his back. And would continue to wrestle just because he's hardcore Holly. How would you like me now? I'll like you a lot, hardcore. Stop doing that to yourself. I noticed that we're meant to like him a lot since he was the voice of reason backstage. And it says something when Holly is the voice of reason going, they're not stupid, they're Japanese. We're referring to Kai in time. 
Like, when Hall is the voice of reason, that's a problem. You may have noticed in that bit backstage, by the way, that ass was bleeped out, which is I a bit I did notice that. Hmm. Well. It's almost as if there's some sort of censoring. Exactly. Due to pressure from the sponsors, the language on this episode of SmackDown is quietly being toned down. Words that used to be commonplace on the show without anyone batting an eye like ass, ho, and slut are either bleeped or no longer allowed to be used. My God. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that won't mean anything on this episode, Tom. I think you're just being silly. I don't think there's any reason to worry about that sort of thing. No no, no foreshadowing here. No. Meanwhile, Edge and Christian go to see Mick Foley. The Acolytes are, of course, the number one contenders, the tag type... Wait, what, what? What? <laughs> who, 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 what? The Acolytes? But, okay, well, that isn't expanded upon later on, and I didn't bother to check Google, so I'll just let you know that, yes, apparently they are the number one contenders, the tag titles. Uh, Foley hears them, and he knows that Edge and Christian do not want to challenge them, so Mick Foley says that's not a problem. Instead, you guys can take on Kane and Undertaker tonight in singles matches. <laughs> and they both go, Edge versus Undertaker. As if that'd work on SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Great. This is a Foley. great moment, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, RC Maximum Vroom Vroom Edge Cola presents Vince McMahon trying to reconcile with The Rock. Guess how it goes. Does it go That's really right, well? That's right, a manly best hug. Friends. <laughs> exactly. A manly hug and understanding of power dynamics and company representations is presented to you by RC Maximum Car Noise Edge Cola. Stephanie Amanda heads the ring by herself and explains that she simply cannot believe she was born here. 
and there's real mega heat from the crowd here. None of that fake stuff. Triple H didn't lose the title last week. Vince did. Triple H is strong and virile, and she's been having sex with him. Mick Foley <laughs> shows up and is very over and reminds her it was this arena where Stephanie's virile husband retired him. Ah, now we are 2000. But look at him now with a new aerodynamic haircut. Foley can do whatever he wants to Triple H's career. And Foley doesn't feel anywhere near bad because Triple H brought it amongst himself. Because if Triple H hadn't retired him, Linda would have had to reinstate him as the commissioner and he'd be able to do stuff to Triple H. Oh, it's actually some good logic there by Mick Foley. Mm. Uh, Foley mentions the name of the city for a cheap pop. It's a Smackdown debut of that. He then says, as the commish, I grant your wish. So Triple H gets Jericho tonight. Steffi's rather pleased and shakes hands with Mick Foley. In a six-man tag team match with X-Pac and the Road Dog versus the Dudleys. Yay! It's a nice segment with Foley being very over and getting to end a segment with God, I love the commissionary position. Which sounds like something you wrote for him, Tom. So well done there. Can't, can't confirm or deny that that might have been from my playbook. <laughs> this is the start next segment. week, guys. Like, it certainly is. And I like, you know what I like about this, Tom Voice, speaking? It means that they get to freshen up the evil Vince is evil every week formula that we've been having for quite some time this year while still getting some little uh, segments with people talking, filling up time, getting pops and sounding cool. I was trying to place my finger on why Ooh. this particular episode of SmackDown felt so fresh. And it is exactly as you said there. It is the lack of heel faction is evil stuff. It is we we don't have these long segments with the McMahon Helmsley at the beginning of the show. We don't have Triple H going, "Hey, we're going to try and divide and conquer." Uh, lol, we beat you all up at the end. We don't have any of that, and it's amazing how the removal of one element of this show has immediately freshened things up. Mick Foley as commissioner. I remember when I was sixteen and I first saw this. It was the best. I was so excited. <laughs> Mick Foley with a haircut looked really weird at first, but it was what I loved here was and and Mick Foley gushes about this time period in his book. Like he loved doing the Commissioner Foley stuff because he and he brought something new to it. Nobody had done this role like Mick Foley had before, like the Commissioner of the company. Like they, obviously we've had managers and presidents and gms and all this stuff but it still felt quite new we had commissioner Shawn michaels but he didn't do a massive lot he turned up on the tron every so often and booked paul bearer in matches but with this this is like a hands-on commissioner and everything about him from the way that he looked from the, the the little elements of his character that he that he changed up to the offices in different parts of the venue each week. Like the part of the fun was seeing what his office was going to look like that week. You could just tell he was having the most fun in this role. And I think he was perfect in this role. Like he was, he was the right, he was used the right amount. I didn't find him overbearing. And I felt like him in segments with edge and Christian and him in segments with like, later on down the road, like Kai and Ty and Steve Blackman and people like that. I think it enhanced their stock. 
to be in amongst the conversation with with a legend like Mick Foley, who at that point was already a legend. I think it enhanced their stock. And I'm really excited to get my teeth into this particular part of the year 2000. I'm really glad that we do this podcast because we're just on the on our sister podcast, the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review announcement coming next this this Saturday from there, as we talked about at the start. But we are stepping into the week's in the run-up to WrestleMania 11. And from there, it is just a turgid year where the company completely lost its way. Can't get anything heated up. It was just a rough old year for the WWF, and it shows with the programming. Contrast this to this podcast, where we are about to enter this period, which with outside of the Attitude Era, 98 time, is the best time for the WWF. Like, this summer period is incredible. Like, you've got new stars popping up everywhere. You've got new talent pushing their way through. You have a mix-up of great characters and big matches. Everything feels fresh and exciting. And, oh, my God, mate, in a couple of weeks' time, we get to do a watch-along of Fully Loaded 2000. The best pay-per-view of this whole freaking year. It's <laughs> such a good time for wrestling. Such a good time. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's... Uh... What I like about it, compare and contrast with, maybe not 2020, because that's a bit harsh given everything that's happened, but anyway, 2019, uh, they've had a change. Uh, the bad guys, the, the same thing that's happened every episode of SmackDown for most of the year 2000 has changed, and now we are fully doing things. So there's variety. The, the bad guys get their comeuppance. It's not like they win every single time, and it's also not the good guys win all the time. It's give and take. Now, now they're getting a respite. And we'll see why that reason is for later on, but I don't want to spoil it. Mm. And it's, yeah, you're right. Everything's working well. People are getting over thanks to Foley rather than him going, hey, how dare you speak to me? Uh, Mick Foley McMahon, uh, <laughs> who's just been voted, you know, one the one trendsetter of women in wrestling, or whatever, some crap, whatever's happened in 2020. Um, you know, it's just it, Foley being Foley right here on the Colorholic Smackdown review. Yay! <sighs> yeah. And you know what? Speaking of that cracking mid-card getting over, would you believe it? Up next, the Godfather takes on the one-man gang. Uh, singles, Bull Buchanan. <laughs> Bull Buchanan is a one-man gang, to be fair. Yeah, because no one else will join him. <laughs> but wait, before the match starts, there's a noise playing. Oh, sorry, that must be me. My fire alarm must be got. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Stevie Richards comes out. Shirt, trousers, and a tie. Nice little haircut. Godfather says, Stevie Richards, what are what you are doing you in doing shirts here? and trousers? That's <laughs> mental. And he goes, uh, Stephen Richards, please. Uh, Monday Night Raw, Stephen saved millions of kids from seeing Terry Runnell's breasts. Crowd boos. Stevie has taken sorry, Stephen has taken it upon himself to censor what he deems unacceptable, to do what most people would do if they had morals, which this company clearly does not have. <laughs> wow. Uh, stop promoting women of the night and sexualizing them, Godfather. And uh, this distracts him long enough for Bull to get an attack, and Stephen doesn't do anything else this episode. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, for those who endured it during it in 2000, this is the SmackDown debut. 
of the right to censor gimmick. And as you've been no doubt following us every week, uh, we have been noticing not just the fact that the PTC, the Parents Television Council, are costing WWF and somewhat inadvertently WCW money with advertisers and sponsorships because they're saying, hey, are you sure this is for kids? What, this this table spot? This bit where Tori got put through a table and she's injured? That 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 was that's for kids? Or the, you know, uh Terry Reynolds versus Cat match with with Jerry Lawler taking a Bronco Buster and then me showing grinning. Uh that's for children, is it? And so WF turned around and went, you know what, we're gonna turn this into an angle. The most spiteful, deplorable angle you've ever seen to make fun of the uh, PTC. And they've done a wonderful job of summing up why exactly the PTC would complain about them by having Stephen go, that's right, I made sure Terry Rose didn't bare her breast so children wouldn't see it. Yep, that's that's a good point, actually, Stephen. Thank you. <laughs> well done, you. <laughs> uh, boo. <laughs> so, Tom, I said a lot of things there. What did you think? So, um... This is great. Stephen Richards here, just immediately make it that everything from the siren to his look just makes him stand out. This is a real this is this is the beginning of a really cool faction. Like, but it's not meant to be cool, but you know what I mean. Um Stephen Richards talked about it's this. It's funnier in hindsight. Oh, it's even better in hindsight. But um a couple of years back, Stephen Richards was chatting to Slam Wrestling and he talked about this. And uh, he said that he was really behind, like he'd heard about the gimmick. He, he, he knew there was something in the works. He was really behind it. Never knew he was actually going to be a part of it until the day. So he turned up at, uh, at, a, at, a, at a raw taping in Worcester, Massachusetts, which I believe was the one just before this. So the night that he debuted, he turned up and he said, I thought I was working metal, which is the WWF sort of <laughs> show underneath. He said, quote, they came to me and told me, do you want to cut your hair? I was kind of shocked. I was scared because I've had my hair. It's an ego thing for a long time. I said I cut my hair because every time I took a big chance, it paid off. Thank God it paid off this time. This is the biggest payoff of anything in my career since the BWO. And I'm making a lot more money this time, uh, he said at the time. And and that was it that was how it was born like they had this idea for a faction but didn't tell Stephen richards what he was going to be doing until he got to the venue that day and went oh by the way we've got this gimmick for you do you want to try it and and from that it became a thing and fair play to him Stephen richards he absolutely rolled with the punches and magic happened well, you know what? I dislike this group at the time because I didn't quite understand what's going on. I'm probably going to enjoy it a lot more the second time round, given the fact that you look at WF and at the time, like, no, PTC did nothing wrong. PTC are the bad guys, even. PTC are this. Now I'm like, no, PTC were completely justified. WF, there's a lot to answer for. Anyway, uh, during this, Bull Buchanan gets an amazing, almost PWG-esque bit to start this off by skinning the cat into the ring and attacking Godfather. And a lovely, excuse me, a lovely bit of athleticism that goes completely unnoticed by everybody apart from Cole and who cares. Bull then flies up to the top rope and clotheslines Godfather. Again, no one cares about the wonderful athleticism of Bull. Uh, Bull gets dumped outside and shoves a woman down. Godfather is distracted by this hoe in distress, in theory, 
So Bull finishes with a scissors kick, in theory, and then everyone moves on. Uh, yeah, well, apart from that finish, what did you think of this, Tom? Uh, the match is inconsequential. It's all about the debut of Stephen Richards. <laughs> the yeah. match was just there. Um, it's the beginning of a downward slide for the Godfather, which who knows where that will lead. Yes. And the upswing I mean, of Paul Buchanan continues as well. What a guy. Yeah. It's funny that I'm, I'm wondering if we get the segment um, where they explain why they did what they did because well, they were just blown away by Stephen's promo this week. They went, yeah, you know what? You're right. Anyway, uh, breaking news, Holly's arm. <laughs> uh, it's in a local medical facility and he'll return in November. So his arm is in a medical facility, not that's his whole right. Body. That's right. Uh, one, what, half of his arm is in one place, and the other is. No, it sounds really harsh. You know, I love Harker Holly. He will be back in November time, which is probably why I don't remember his "How do you like me now?" theme being around this time because he made his day. De- that theme made its debut last week, and then he's already off. So, fun fact there for the music hounds. But now we get Kane versus Christian. Kane is presented by Twix which presents Fully Loaded. <laughs> Tom, just out of interest, because we're talking about the weird dietary habits of the people called the holics sometimes, uh, how do you eat your Twix? <laughs> well, you eat a Twix, what you do is unpack, you remove one of the fingers, mm-hmm. you um, bite along the top, so you eat the caramelly bit, along the top, it's quite chewy, you sacrifice a goat to the, to the Antichrist, then you eat the biscuity bit along the bottom and then rinse and repeat with the second. Right. Yeah. That was about as strange as I was expecting. <laughs> I don't... Because I was expecting... I was expecting, though, for you to say you put both in at the same time and bite them but off something weird or... No, 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 no. Very simple, very simple. Take one out, chewy caramel bit along the top, sacrifice a goat to the after Christ, mm. biscuity bit after. The biscuity bit yeah. always nice to go last. Eat the biscuity bit last and then you uh-huh. do the same with the second one. Huh. Simples. That's absolutely normal. Yeah, perfectly normal. Well done, Tom. Thanks, mate. You're learning. Christian tries to sneak attack with Edge distracting Kane. It doesn't work. And I wonder what Edge was saying to Kane to distract him. Well, Edge. <laughs> Linda loves Gladiator, so I got her the star of the show to appear at the next appearance. Oh, what? You've got Russell Crowe to appear? Uh. No, I've got Shadow. <laughs> it's not even Wolf. It's not even Jet. Well, he's not the WF title champion, man. Are we? So... <laughs> On this salary and this economy. <laughs> and Shadow shows up. He's like, All right, hello, Linda. Do you have any Coke? <laughs> and she's like, no, they've uh, they stopped advertising us thanks to the PTC. He's like, oh, darn it. Linda, Linda, what is it, Kane, sweetie? There's a, there's somebody at work. There's somebody at work who, who's devoured a woman. Like, what are you talking about, about Kane? I heard them talking through the wall. He said he's gladiator. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Kane, sweetie, I want a divorce. Oh, oh I'm spaghetti. <laughs> no, Kane looks at the camera and goes, Awooga! 
<laughs> he looks at the camera and goes, Hope. <laughs> but we can't see him pulling a face. He pulls a Sid James face, but because he's wearing a mask, we can't see. Yeah. He forgot he had a mask on. He goes, but Linda, how will we make this work? And he goes, it's very simple, Kane. You will go on my first whistle. I will go on the second whistle. Kane was on the way home the other night, and <laughs> as he was going home, there was um, there was a fruit and veg stall set up, and uh, there was a young woman who was uh, <laughs> it was there, it was up running it. And Kane was like, "Oh, I'd love to take some fruits home for my wife." And uh, <laughs> the woman goes, "Okay, well, what sort of fruits?" Well, she likes she likes um, she likes like big fruit, like big big like cantaloupes. So oh, would she like would she like watermelons? Yeah, yeah, she'd like them. She'd like them. I said, okay, well, if you wait there, I, I've got some some really nice ones out the back. I'll see whether I'll, I'll let you have a look and see whether there's any, whether you want them. Okay, I'll wait here. And then <laughs> ring, ring, phone rings. Hello, Kane speaking. Kane, it's your wife, Linda. You're late home. I'll be home in a minute. This woman's just showing me her watermelons. <laughs> What? Uh-oh. Looks like I'm on the sofa again. What a misunderstanding. That's got to be Kane. Every week, that's got to be Kane, which is new depth. <laughs> you, meant, you spelled heights wrong. Uh-oh. What, what a mix-up. <laughs> that could happen to anybody. <laughs> yeah, so that's the discussion Kane has with Edge outside. Christian tries a sneak attack, doesn't work. Kane presses Christian over his head a few times, but Christian lands that pesky crossbody of death he's been doing for 20 years. But eventually, Kane accidentally hits the ref. Uh oh, spaghetti. <laughs> What an unfortunate And he was about to have tea with the vicar at six. Oh, no. He was three days from retirement. <laughs> and even worse. What's that, Kane? My souffle hasn't risen yet. <laughs> Eddie Christian tried to double-team him, but they're about to get a double-choke slam. But a monster pop can mean Taz of all people, shows up to hit Kane with a chair a few times and Christian wins a concerto, which is so good looking that they cut to a different camera angle so you can barely see it. And Christian gets the win on Kane. Be troll for him when he gets home. But never mind that, Taz returns after being away for a bit with his new orange office shirt look. Like he's the assistant clerk in hell. <laughs> and... Uh, that was that match, I guess. Okay. So did you, there was what do you line... think of the match? And also Taz's attire. Uh, Taz very much looks like a bin man. I thought that was the look that he was going oh, for. Oh, no. fine. Bit Duke Drossy. The, the, the thing that stood out to me was, you said he won with a concerto, but it's not called a concerto yet. Michael Cole, That's right. Michael Cole describes this move, which we know as a concerto, as, quote... A cane sandwich 
with the chairs as the bread. <laughs> Verbatim, Michael Cole. A cane sandwich with the chairs as the bread. It completely takes away any aggression from that move. Where you describe it as a cane sandwich with the chairs as the bread. <laughs> Kane, sweetie, what's wrong with these sandwiches? <laughs> Michael Cole said to use chairs at the, as the bread. <laughs> well, I don't think he meant it at home, sweetie, because <laughs> I want a divorce. I was looking at her melons. <laughs> Linda. 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 Kane, Kane, honey, where are you? Come to the garage, Linda. Linda, in the garage. Oh. In the garage. All right, I'm coming. I'm coming. Where, where are you? I'm on the workbench, Linda. Are you like invisible and you're gonna like do something? No, 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 no. Flip the sandwich over. <laughs> I'm sandwich Kane, Linda. <laughs> Did somebody say just eat? Hey, that's a jingle from 20 years in the future. I know. Uh, I'm going to put you in the bin. <laughs> what? No, Linda, don't do that. You know what? I won't do that. Oh, good. I'll have Taz, the bin man from hell, put you in the bin. <laughs> the bin man. That's not a bad gimmick. No, no, Taz, Taz, Taz. Eat me if you can. Survive if I let you. <laughs> Eat me if you can. <laughs> So they call you the bin man because you could fit in a bin. <laughs> the pastor No, I know why they call you that. <laughs> the pastor rage. The pastor rage. <laughs> I know. First name bin, surname pushed. <laughs> bin pushed. First name, first name, never. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Starring alongside Drew Barrymore in Never Been Pushed. <laughs> Bins don't cry. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's got to be Kate. <laughs> That's gotta be Kane. Do you think Test feels a and, bit like that? that <laughs> just at the very end of that, it just appears. It's Test. <laughs> <laughs> That's gotta be Kane. It's Test. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this segues into backstage. And Christian, they're so motivated now. They they had no idea that they could beat Ed. Uh, they could beat Kane. That that's that's mental. Edge can surely be Undertaker now. And this segues straight in, into the match. Undertaker and his, you've done it now, theme here. Which I'd like to point out to the podcast listeners, Ross nearly forgot about this week when he was asked his favourite Undertaker theme. And he was very upset when he realised that he'd forgotten it. Uh, but never mind that. Undertaker is brought to you by Castrol Presents the Best of WWF SummerSlam. And I thought I'd check out what is actually on this video because I've never seen it before. Uh, it covers the best of summertime, that SummerSlam between 95 and 99. We have the ladder match between Sean and Razor, uh, Undertaker, Mankind, Boiler Room Brawl, 
the steel cage match between Mankind and Triple H, uh, Rock versus Hunter ladder match at 98, and then Shane versus Test from 99. That is a hell of a tape. It's a good tape. But that, the best it? thing about it, it certainly is, but the best thing about it, Tom, is the sheer amount of Castrol GTX on the front cover. <laughs> Not only is the name featured twice, but there's a bottle of it posing with the wrestlers like it's people. That's all that Castrol GTX wanted to do was have a photo with The Rock. Even even Castrol GTX wants a photo with The Rock at this point. Absolutely. There's just not enough money to throw at the WF right now. Even, <laughs> even things that aren't people want to wrestle with The Rock. Yeah, I've got two words for you. Stick me in your car. Castrol GTX. Why is it that Undertaker is sponsored reasons. by Castrol GTX? And Kane is sponsored by Twix. Well, I know which one I'd rather eat. <laughs> Castrol GTX. That was horrible. Sorry. <laughs> Castrol GTX. Put it in your bike, not your mouth. <laughs> anyway, Undertaker no sells everything because he's wearing blue jeans. Edge gets cocky and hits Undertaker with a chair, then uses it to air Sabu in the corner. And then Undertaker no sells everything, like he's in. Here comes the pain for PS2 and wins the chokeslam. A very sensible match. And yes, Edge uses the chair in this match quite a bit as well. And Cole is emphasising that these are perhaps the chairman of WWF. That's better than a cane sandwich with chairs as the bread or whatever he said earlier. Yeah. You are almost a cane sandwich. Well, there was a bit from this that... um, that you didn't go into, which I think is quite significant, which is after the match, where... I was about to, but go ahead. Oh, go for it. Now you do a much better job. Go on. I was only going to say that uh, after the match, Ed and Christian are trying to attack Undertaker. Out comes Kane. Uh, they, the Brothers of Destruction fight <laughs> them off. Kane lands a choke slam. What does the Undertaker do, Math? Wait, does a choke sound because he's the Undertaker? Oh, no, no, it's the new Undertaker. He doesn't do a choke slam. He has a new move, a sort of elevated powerbomb. Doesn't have a name yet, but it is cool the way he gets him on his shoulders and puts him up a bit more for a big old powerbomb. The as yet unnamed last ride is birth here. Edge, one of the first people to take the last ride. See, as part of making wrestling a bit nicer in the fallout of the PTC turning advertisers against them, pile drivers have also been outlawed. Even the Undertaker's Tombstone pile driver is off the menu. So he needed oh. something new. And this this is what they came up with. They needed something that was going to have a, 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 a similar effect in terms of like power and energy and Big F off powerbomb was the solution. <laughs> Great powerbomb for as long as he can do it. You know what? I forgot about that, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that was that was why they changed it, because no one's allowed to powerbomb anymore. Oh, True story. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, plus, they'll be hitting double choke slams for about 20 years after this anyway, so it's fine. They go back to how things used to be. Speaking of things going back to used to be, Al Snow, yes, Al Snow, is backstage chilling and talking to himself because no one wants to listen to him when Mick Foley appears in a little concession stand, finds down the 
winders, whatever they're called, and Mick Foley appears to make fun of Al Snow. Because what else is he going to do? <laughs> Mick says, oh, it's all right, Al, it's all right, Al. I'm, I'm here to reward you. You've been a good friend and all this. And he starts drinking a Pepsi on camera. And Al says, what do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a match with The Rock for the WF title. Foley splurts Pepsi all over him laughing and says, no, I meant that Crash Holly guy for the hardcore title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Al. Bants. That's got to be Al. <laughs> it's nice, though, there's a throwback to Al Snow hating The Rock. They keep that ticking over. Took it's his quite best cool. friend from him. Yeah, just a, it's nice. Those who say every week, it's nice. The little chronological stuff there. It's almost like Lord of the Rings with the remembrance stuff from months and months ago. Not like watching wrestling nowadays, where they forget everything that happened last week. Very so, true. Uh, and to show that we've reverted back to the olden days, Al has gone back to the head theme. Well, it looks like Steve Blackman won't be making an appearance then. Crash Holly heads to the ring, but would you believe it? Al has hidden underneath it. However, Crash Holly is so smart. He knows he's there. Sadly, he's also small, so Snow immediately grabs him and reverse power bombs him on the ramp. And after the move, they both slide down awkwardly because <laughs> I guess the position they're in, they're just like, this naturally go backwards. <laughs> Even Al gets time on TV, he finds a way to make a putz of himself. Uh, Crash tries running into the crowd. Al gets him and dumps an entire thing of popcorn all over him, which the crowd loves. And Lola very seriously says, careful, a popcorn kernel can take your eye out. <laughs> Lots of weapons get used, crowd isn't into all of them, until Al puts on a bowling shirt and rolls a bowling ball directly into Crash Holly's testicles. Crowd really enjoyed that. Sometimes this gets used and you almost forget about it as soon as it's happened, but there are times when it, you're really milking it, like putting on a, an actual bowling shirt to do the move. That really gets the crowd in on the build and hype. So uh, I like this moment here. And then Al finds a way to ruin it. Uh, Al attempts to hold the ring steps above his head and run towards Crash. And the idea is Crash hits them with a chair and then does he falls backwards with them on top of them. Like we've seen Kane lose to X-Pac at least once on TV. But the bump was done so bad that <laughs> like Al Snow has the ring steps above him. And I guess he can't see. So he puts them down a bit. Then Crash hits him. And then Al Snow's like, oh, that was the bump. And then he falls backwards. Oh, it was just messy. <laughs> and you can still hear the crowd laughing to this day. Crash thinks sod it and goes to leave. But then Steve Blackman, the other half of Head Cheese, attacks Crash with nunchucks and pins him to become the new champ. <laughs> uh, presumably Al Snow is still in the ring, buried like the Wicked Witch of the East. But we don't see him again because I think they tried to avoid him and that bump. And I was sad that head cheese weren't a thing anymore. But this now means we have Steve Blackman as a hardcore champion. Yes. Happy memories of this run. This is the beginning of and a brave new time. It certainly is. And before we get Tom's thoughts, immediately we go backstage. The Mean Street posse of all people show up to sneak attack Blackman. But he is, of course, a ninja. Which, as remember earlier, Tom, that's a king in Japan. <laughs> and he takes them all out and even offers to fight the referee as well before driving off in his car like Billy Big Bollocks. Tom, what did you think? <laughs> the Blackman era has begun. I'm so excited. So delighted to have Steve Blackman as your boy in the hardcore division. This was really, <laughs> again, this was another thing that made this show seem quite fresh. 
where we've had so many, like, so much to do with the Hardcore Championship. But this is new. Steve Blackman, and, and it's new in a good way. Not like Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson fighting for it in an evening gown match. This feels like a step in a really exciting direction. Like, Blackman, over the next few weeks and months, is going to bring a new energy to this championship. And in return, this, this championship is going to give new energy to Steve Blackman. This is the closest Steve Blackman will ever truly become to being a household name in wrestling. We are we're on the verge of something great here, Matt. Absolutely, Tom. Yeah, don't take our word for it. after have to wait and see what happens next week. But what we learned from this is Steve Blackman is awesome. And Al Snow... Al Snow hasn't been on TV for weeks, finally gets an opportunity to do something, and completely blows it. Rather like the last time he was on TV with head cheese at WrestleMania. <laughs> Thanks, Al. Recap from Raw, where Vince reads a list of all the things Linda has done to annoy him. I could reinstate The Undertaker, Mick Foley, and yes, even Earl Hebner to keep that little storyline ticking. But after getting pinned by The Rock, Vince had an epiphany. Linda could only be doing these things to Vince for one reason. She loves him. And she must want a new baby. Well, don't worry, Linda. The genetic jackhammer is coming home. And happy Vince walks off to go F his wife. And that's how they write Vince off for a bit and replace him with Foley's a matchmaker. You need Fun to write fantastic. Vince McMahon by, 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 uh, by leaving to become a genetic jackhammer. Yes. So, BRB having sex with my wife. <laughs> what? Who's, who's doing it with Linda? That goes against our subplot. <laughs> yeah. Hi, right, honey. Has Kane been preempted like a dog show? <laughs> oh, I imagine that would be a season finale, wouldn't it? That would be... Linda, I'm back. That woman showed me her melody. Linda! <laughs> Executive producer, Matthew Gregg. Yes. <laughs> As the soap theme tune plays. <laughs> Kane, all I'll say is Kane didn't screw Linda. Vince screwed Linda. <laughs> I screwed Linda. It's Kane leaves sobbing. <laughs> oh, season finale. <laughs> but all I used to do was like shake his head back and forth because he's wearing a mask so he can't tell. I'm crying. Boo hoo hoo. Cry, 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 cry. Cry, 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 cry. Cry, cry. Did a big cry. <laughs> right guard extreme sports sponsors Jericho costing Triple H's title shot. I don't like that plug. I miss the days of lugs for your feet. <laughs> yeah, they the good old days of SmackDown podcast. Which is a shame. Uh, I can't wear right guard. Uh, anyway, we get reminded that Tori sustained a separated shoulder at King of the Ring. And she'd be out until October. Where, according to Wikipedia, she'd make a very brief appearance at, at WF New York, which, uh, aka WF Limbo, for most talent involved with the company. Pretty much. And yeah, and uh, that would be it until she came back as the Ninja with Raven, which was a very successful bit that Raven absolutely loved doing. <laughs> so of course, the story of that is uh, at King of the Ring, she took a 
top rope powerbomb from Bubba Dudley. Because, again, violence against women is okay, kids. PTC did nothing wrong. And apparently you were saying when we did the King of the Rings show that she was injured going into it, but she still took it like a champ. Yeah, she she had an injury going into it, but was still like, no, I'm fine, I'll take the bump. I'll do it, I'll get up there. Put me in, coach, I'm ready to play. It's a fair play to her. Yeah, that, that is amazing. Uh, considering she wasn't used much after this, it's a bit harsh. I don't know what happened to her. Tory WWF. Did you mean Wilson? No, the other one. Well, whatever. Um, that's boring. It's main event time. And it's the Dudley Boys and Chris Jericho versus DX. Devon gets worked over because, of course, until the hot dog. The hot dog. The hot, the hot dog. tag to Bubba. The hot dog to Bubba. <laughs> Bring it. To Bubba, who cleans house and even Triple H sells for Bubba. Hebner holds Triple H back while the Duds nail their headbutt to the balls to X-Pac, then Road Dog. And then when Triple H is finally unleashed by the referee, he gets punched down by Jericho. Triple H recovers to knock the table over at ringside, saying, no, table's bad. The fans are like, boo, we want to see women get put through tables. And Triple H is like, no, that's actually a bad thing. That's, you should need to get over that. That's a very bad... Women get put through tables. Uh, and then Bubba is the dude getting worked over, as Triple H says. No, actually, guys, violence against women is actually a very negative thing. You shouldn't be influenced by that. Um, and there's actually a magnificent bit here with X-Pac getting ready to do the Bronco Buster, and he's really hyping up, like, now I'm going to hit the Bronco Buster. Yay, yay. Along with Lawless yelling, I ho silver, away, as he <laughs> hits the Bronco Buster. <laughs> this generates giant X-Pac sucks chants, maybe the loudest thing on the show so far. Triple H applies a sleeper, and this really gets the crowd into it to come alive for this, so Bubba is able to power out, nail Triple H with the Bubba Cutter. So, coincidentally, which was Triple H's first finisher, before he settled on the uh, pedigree. And Bubba Cutter's him. Da -da -da. Jericho gets tagged in. He cleans house, Winnipeg style. Jericho ducks X-Pac, who accidentally hits Triple H off the apron. Triple H dunks him outside, so that he's hit the 3D! No, they don't, silly commentators. That's the backwards 3D neckbreaker thing that didn't have a name but would often confuse people like JR. They set up the 3D for real, but x grabs Bubba's foot, so Bubba gets pedigreed for the three. However, Bubba recovers immediately. Ah, God, I'm sorry, struggling with words today. Bubba recovers instantly and pushes Triple H outside the ring and gets ready to awesome bomb Stephanie over the ropes to the outside to her certain death. But x saves her life. Triple H is on the apron to make sure it doesn't happen. So instead, Jericho decides to springboard dropkick the game off the apron, through the table, to end the show on a very high note. And that's your lot. Tom, that's what do you think of this note. lovely main event? Good main event. Like, action-packed stuff. And I'm I'm excited about where we're going, obviously. I'm, and I'm excited watching this. The fact that Jericho and Triple H is now in the mix. Because it's that feeling again that this is a fresh show. This feels like something that's new. And and Triple H feuding with something other than The Rock is exciting. And it feels like it's a good step for Jericho. We'll see how it plays out. But I love the ending with, with Jericho pushing Triple H, dropkicking Triple H to the table. It was a strong ending to SmackDown this week. A strong end to a great SmackDown this week. This was a bloody good show this week. It certainly was. And the thing in the background and the foreground, especially in the main event, was Triple H doing everything to sell for Jericho. I mean, he is... I think people have listened to this for a while now know how much... Uh, how well Jericho and Triple H got along at the start of it. Uh, it wasn't 
a match made in heaven to say the least. But now Triple H has turned a corner on this. What with the title change that didn't happen, um, the build-up with Stephanie versus Jericho almost becoming a thing that's make, giving it heat. And now Triple H is all about making Jericho look strong. Now he's more than willing to sell for him. He's willing to get through, through a table by him. He's going to Foley demanding he get his match. And he's all right with not getting the match straight away. He's selling from him. He's making him look great. It's, wow. What, what, a, what a change in uh, perspective there from Triple he's, H. It's like he's paying his dues, brother. Yeah, you can work now. Oh, good. Does that mean you're going to drop the title to me? <laughs> What's your favorite wrestling promotion in Japan? Oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> say, it, say it. All say Japan. it, Jericho. Say it. Big Japan pro wrestling. I love it. No, 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 no. All right. <laughs> <sighs> no. Uh, that's a spirit. <laughs> he ruffles his hair like he's a small child. <laughs> <laughs> what did you um what did you remember about this week's episode of Spatdown? Bloody hell, everything. Yeah. I mean, where do where do I even begin? Uh Holly's arm break, Foley's commissioner debut and his new look. Uh the Jericho Triple H feud, the uh, Kane Christian Edge Undertaker thing, Ben Mantaz. <laughs> yeah, all of it, mate. All memorable. All memorable. Was there something on there that you forgot happened? I forgot this is the episode where Blackman wins the title. Um, it was a nice way to end that match, but he'd have much more impressive uh, matches later on, just him being him, being Steve Blackman and beating everybody up. I forgot. But apart the, from that, uh, this is one of the rare episodes where I loved everything. So what about you, mate? I forgot the commissionary position line. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great line, and it totally slipped my mind that he even said it. <laughs> yeah, and Tom went, yoink. <laughs> I'll use that and pretend it's my own. <laughs> Belter of an episode of SmackDown this week. Next week is the last episode of the Cult Alley Classic SmackDown review for 2020. We're going to go out with a bang next week. Big announcement on what we'll be replacing it between uh, the round Crimbo Limbo uh, coming up very, very soon. Talk more about that in a bit. But until then, he is at Matthew Gregg on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. <gasps> The PTZ did nothing wrong. Love you, <laughs> bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
for all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes. Search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.